Welcome to The Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. The college season has begun. It's been a really fun first few weeks, and I mean, I love college basketball, but I also love professional basketball, and one thing I have found myself guilty and a lot of us guilty of is whatever season it is, we we forget about the other thing. So college season goes by the wayside during their offseason, and then the WNBA gets forgotten about Uh, during the college season for the most part. So I was very happy to, after several weeks of trying to coordinate our schedules, to have Cheryl Reeve, head coach and GM of the Minnesota Lynx, agree to join me. So I'm going to take a little drive downtown to the Target Center and the Lynx offices and sit down with Cheryl. Uh, She's fascinating. Uh, She's obviously a, a great champion for WNBA titles under her watch the Lynx have gotten and uh, I just I like her passion I like her commitment Um, the advocate she is for the game is something that just is is really impressive to me and I respect a lot so I want to pack up my equipment and take a, a little drive downtown real quick and and sit down with Cheryl so we'll be right back this is the jump around Welcome back to the jump around, and it's always my pleasure when I get to sit in front of the person because I feel like it's more authentic. But Cheryl Reeve of the Minnesota Lynx, thank you first off for taking Absolutely. the time out, and I'm excited glad you to could be here. Be here. Yeah. yeah, this is great. My first time in your office facilities. It's not bad, right? They're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice okay. spot. I was watching Tyce Jones shoot jumpers, and then they put the curtain down on me. So Did they? No worries. They said, "Yeah, it's not yeah. eyes. It should be on this right now." So. Yeah, well, the, the mighty curtain that comes. Yeah, I know. I, I felt I felt empowered though <laughs> that they felt the need to put it down. On that's me. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have had such tremendous success, which obviously is everyone knows. But I want to go all the way back to your playing days. Oh boy, at LaSalle. Uh huh. And you had a pretty good career, I'd say. Um, your your senior year ended up really really well. You you performed well. You started nearly every game of your career. True or false, you cried in your first college basketball game. I did. Um, it's, it's, uh, it has become one of my favorite stories to tell. It was not at that time, Blake. It was, uh, so if you know the legendary Speedy Morris, um, who, who was a high school boys coach in Philadelphia, legend, what he was legendary for was how fiery uh, he was. And, um, you know, uh, the story goes that at Roman Catholic, they played on the third or fourth floor uh, of the high school and, and the gym, you know, it had windows, and apparently he was so angry, he took his jacket off and threw it out the window one time. <laughs> so he was a very uh, fiery guy, and, and he was, you know, uh, at the end of the day, when I look back on it, he was somebody that held people accountable, which I appreciate now. But um, it's my first game. We go down. We're on the road. Um, Speedy was not the guy who recruited me. I was recruited by someone else. But thankfully, Speedy came in yeah. and, and t- turned the program around. It went from being a program that won, you know, seven or eight games to in our first year, you know, we won more than 20 games. I don't remember exactly what number it was. But my first game, uh, I'm a freshman and I'm starting, and we were playing against Delaware, University of Delaware. And, uh, you know, again, we go down there. They're playing a zone. And it was really silly when I think about what I was trying to do. So – I wasn't a willing shooter at that time. Okay. So I'm a point guard, kind of a pass first or pass only uh, type of point okay. guard, which is so easy to guard. 
Uh, back in the 80s, that wasn't that big of a deal. So I come down, and they're playing a zone, and the top of this 2-3, the top of the 2-3, fans out and guards the wings, and leaves me wide open. And I tried to pass to each of those wings, right? Nine times, Blake. Nine, <laughs> I have nine turnovers. Nine. And on the ninth turnover, now I was somebody that, you know, I, I, you know, really beat myself up. I'm hard on myself. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the ball back. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to, you know, okay, I turned it over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get stopped. I'm going to get back. I'm going to take a charge or something. And so, you know, obviously the coaches uh, – um, after the eighth turnover, maybe I don't know what point he really began getting over the idea that he's got this freshman point guard that just can't play. <laughs> On the ninth one, right, I did the same thing. So it was just like take turns to which guard I was thrown to, you know. <laughs> right. And so I threw it and it turned it over, and I turned around, same mindset. I'm going to get stopped. I go sprinting, and I turn and I'm at half court. I'm backpedaling. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to try to, you know, break this thing up. And I hear Speedy, and he is on the sideline going. You bleeping suck! I remember stopping, and I, you know, because it was uh, horrifying at that time. I remember stopping and letting the person score, er, sub, oh. and I'm going to the bench. And at that point, I began to began to cry. Yeah. And so the story goes from there, and this became so. John Miller succeeded Speedy Morris, and they were very close friends. And John Miller was at the game; he was a fan at the time. So he was sitting behind the bench. So he, it became a, a story told throughout the recruiting uh, <laughs> trails for years. And the story after this, so I go to the bench and I'm crying. Speedy turns around and he comes up and he goes, you're crying, you're crying, I should be crying. <laughs> and just walked away. And John Miller repeats that story. So I, so I remember meeting Chris Daly at some point, you know, my coaching career a long time ago. Because I played, you know, that, that was in 1985. And so let's say in 1995, I meet uh, Chris Daly, and we get to talk, and she goes, oh, my gosh, you're the person <laughs> that they're telling the story yes. about. That's you. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, it's true. I fantastic. cried in my, in yeah. my, in my, uh, my freshman year. Well, you got, a little bit, you got a little bit better from there. I got a little right? better from there, out. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I learned. <laughs> you know, I learned from my mistakes. Yeah. and. Uh, it was certainly a roller coaster ride my, my freshman year, as it is in, in most uh, freshman years for, for, for player for players that uh, you know. I mean, for someone like myself, um, again, I you know I was I wasn't uh, very offensive minded. Yeah. Um, I was tough. You know, I was gonna I was gonna you know be hard to play against, but I just didn't want to shoot. You yeah. know, and so um, but our you know the way that the career you know we ended up again I, I forget what the win totals were, but. You know, we averaged 20-plus wins for the four years, and, yeah. you know, Speedy kind of got that thing turned around, and yeah. John Miller took over. And, you know, Speedy became the men's coach after after my sophomore year, which was devastating to us because we, believe it or not, we loved him, you yeah. know. Oh, uh, sure. So, but, yeah, it, it worked out okay. Yeah, 25-5 and five your senior year. So. Was it? Yeah, yeah, 20. Did we win? I forget. Uh, did we lose to Manhattan that year in the oh, conference tournament? I don't know that one. Um, and nor, nor should wins. you. <laughs> 25 wins, though. I gave, I gave you 25 wins. wins. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know what else you want from me. And no. we were, you know, that was, uh, so we were uh, nationally ranked, uh, which is crazy when you think about it. You know, Absolutely. LaSalle University. And um, at that time, we were playing in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Uh, better known as the Mac. The uh, Mac. <laughs> yeah, I used to coach in the Mac. You did? Okay, yeah, so just, you understand with Mac. It's the real yeah, Mac. Yeah, That's yeah. the argument. Right? That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but they've changed conferences so many times. Now they're in Atlantic 10. Yeah. You know, it's probably, you know, not the best conference for them. But mm -hmm. uh, but that was the last time, you know, we had that level of success. And, yeah. 
you know, ranked as high as 18th in the country, you know, for the school and the resources. It was really an amazing time. Yeah, we could probably do a whole LaSalle episode, but we'll save, <laughs> save that for another time. With your upbringing, um, just through where you're from, and then you go to Philly, mm-hmm. and then you work for Bill Lindbeer, Dan Hughes. You work for Joe McEwen. Uh-huh. Uh, w- when you look back at just kind of your, your journey to where you are, how... It's probably completely, it is unfair for me to ask you mm-hmm. how each one affected you, but how do you feel you are who you are just through that? Like, how did that mold you into the coach and GM that you were? Yeah, you know, and anybody that's gone through coaching and, you know, gosh, I'm going, what, 30 years now? Like, you know, you're affected by anybody that you're around. So, you know, I would also include my high school coach, uh, Ann Donovan, who gave me my first yeah. opportunity. Uh, so I'm shaped by all of them at yeah. some point. You, you know, in, in some cases, you're learning what not to do. Um, maybe, and this is what I always tell our staff, that, um, you know, I'm doing what I do that fits me, that I think fits our personnel, but there are certainly different ways to do this, mm-hmm. and they should have their own, um, not mindset, they should have their own, uh, like, like James going to Chicago, put his own stamp on it. You know, it's your personality now. It's your system. It's your – and I remember sitting there. I was an assistant coach for 10 years in the WNBA, and I had binders because I, I scouted so much, and I had sure. binders of, of plays. And I remember thinking I would mark, you know, certain pages going, okay, when I'm a head coach, here I'm going to grab these, and this is what I think is difficult to play against, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think more than anything, it's, you know, some of the philosophical. Um, Ann Donovan was, was really, really good – defensively at that time in our league. Our league at that time in the early 2000s was more of a knockdown dragout league. We had Richie Adubato in New York who just played slow. Everything was slow. So a New York-Charlotte game was like, <laughs> honest to goodness, in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2001, we won game three like 46 to 43. You know, so they were knockdown dragouts. And so um, – <laughs> You know, think about the game today and how fast-paced yeah. the number of possessions and the shorter shot clock, you know, both 24 and, and 14. Rebounds, we didn't yeah. have all that. So, um, but we were, you know, play a full shot clock kind of thing. And um, the thing I got from Ann, you know, we started off the season 1-10. and 10, And uh, that's a third of our season in the WNBA. So things were not going well. Uh, we had a good team. You know, we had Dawn Staley, Andrea Stinson, Charlotte Smith, Allison Feaster and Tammy Sutton Brown. That was our starting group. It was a good team. A good we just, you know, we would get to five minutes in the game, and it, and and something would happen. It wouldn't go our way, and then we would lose the game. But we knew that we were a good team, and we were. It was kind of like in golf, where you're you're you know you're hitting it okay, but you're you're just missing by a little bit mm. for being a really good shot. And and I sound like a golfer there, didn't I? You know, I don't really play that much golf. That was really good. I that believe good. you. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, so uh, and so. The thing I got from Ann that I always take with me is, you know, that – and it was difficult going through it, believe me. Ann, I know it, you know, it was, it was a difficult time for her as the head coach, as the leader of this. But we believed in what we were doing. We ended up having the, one of the greatest turnaround in all of sports history in that we made the playoffs, and that year we were in the finals of the WNBA. And so, you know, we had, we had great people. Again, so you, you get solidified by – uh, in terms of the philosophical place of, and no matter what happened, you know, and again, I know it was hard when you go home and, and believe me, I know, you know, you take losses really hard and you blame yourself and you, you know, what do we got to do differently? But every day Anne came, she had this way about her, this belief, and it was so steady. 
that, you know, she didn't start treating people poorly or, and it was just mm. really, you know, mm. a very, very valuable time uh, of, I always say this, when you know what you're doing is right, stay the course. Sure. And, you know, obviously getting to that place of knowing what you're doing is right and having a strong belief in it, sometimes that's, that's tested when you're one in 10. Sure. You know, it doesn't mean you don't tweak something, you know, but um, it was a real, a real test, uh, I think, of will in that moment. And, you know, I only had a chance to work for Dan Hughes in one season, mm-hmm. uh, which was one of my favorite seasons in, in all of my WNBA time. Um, Dan has a unique ability to express himself um, you know, what I would say, maybe saying something that what people, we call it coaching. Some people call it criticizing a player, but we call it coaching a player. And so Dan would coach a player. And I remember kind of being like, you know, feeling like, come on, so-and-so, you know, you got to get through the screen. You got to, you know, but Dan would say it in a way that he, he would, he would just have this like, um, you know, words and way that he would say it that I thought, Gosh, he just like made this criticism sound like so nice. Like he was really huh. good that you never took it. You just you, you accepted it as coaching, and it wasn't like this moment of contentious. Right, uh, like you were coming after. Yeah. Or something. yeah, and 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 he was just and to this day, like we're at USAB. I was reminded of that. You yeah. know, um, you know, he uses words in a way that I thought, you know. I was a Rhodes Scholar nominee, but I don't. I think he should have been a Rhodes Scholar. <laughs> the way he says this, um, and so I got that from you know from Dan, and Dan was very very good defensively as well. Yeah. Um, you know we we uh, so we had that Charlotte team with the New York team with the Cleveland team. Cleveland team was really really good during that time under Dan's tenure. Um, you know they were twelve thousand people strong, and um, but they were a part of our two thousand one success. You know when they were they were uh, the number one team. Um, I could go on yeah, and on yeah. about the, the no, story of the league great. during them, but but yeah, but each of them, you know, Bill Lambier, um, the greatest uh, thing that I got from him, which I so appreciate, was he let me be myself, hmm. and that was in that moment that I learned that I should only be myself. I shouldn't feel like I have to say things in a different way, or he just allowed me to. He always would say, "Bite off as much as you want to chew." And so if you want to do a lot, do a lot. If you only want to do a little, do a little. And so he just kind of gave you this, you know, way of hmm. kind of painting your own yeah. uh, picture. And, and I just appreciate the heck out of him for that. It's got to be you and him. If all the coaches in the league were going to fight, you guys would be the top two, right? We were going to fight. Yeah, yeah. You gotta fight each other. If yeah. I'm gonna, if I'm gonna handicap it, because Bill just is just so big. He's big, yeah. yeah but, but I, you know, I'm scrappy. More, I'm scrappy. And you get the Philly, you yeah, the, the yeah. I got a little Philly. Uh, I'm a little quicker than he is right now. Mm, sure. You know, he's not moving as well. Yeah, no. You know, ten years ago might have been a little harder, but but go um, through the rest of the league, I think. Yeah, maybe okay, right? <laughs> pokey, maybe, maybe pokey. Bill would just laugh at me. Yeah. I don't think there'd be a fight. <laughs> For you mentioned USA, so we'll, we'll go there. This summer you got to go, and obviously tremendous success. You get to be an assistant, mm-hmm. which is something you haven't done in a while. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference for you? Um, there has huge. to be. Yeah. Um, huge. Is it is it more relaxing? It is. is it? I always say it's easy. Yeah. It, you know, being an assistant well, coach and your is team, easy. Obviously. USA. Well, everybody says that, but I, oh, I tell okay. you what, this was this was this okay. was a challenge. Okay. <laughs> this is a big time challenge because there's so much pressure. That's that fair. the expectation is you can't lose. I don't care whether you're playing a friendly. Oh, okay. uh, it doesn't matter who you have there. People yeah. don't understand. Well, you know, Elena Deladon and. And Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd and and you know we have and Sue Bird or are still playing yeah. and uh, Maya's not playing, Sill's not playing, Simone's not playing, Lindsay's not playing, and all of a sudden our team looks a lot different yeah. and and it's Dawn's first go around yeah. and 
um, not you know it's not her first go around. It's, it's for her first time that she's you know running running the thing. Um, you know she had very specific you know ideas what she wanted obviously and and but when the players start looking different you know, and like I said the, the pressures the pressure is great um, you know and it's even when you had all those those great players I named um, you know when when I was with Gino you don't understand what goes into it to make it so great. It's not easy. It's not like Gino just shows up or, or Don just shows up and says, we got all the great players, go get them. Yeah. Let's go win by 30. There's a lot that goes into your ability to, to maintain a level of success. It's very, very difficult. Um, because everybody's gunning for you. Sure. And yeah. you know when I tell you they bring it at a, at a different level against the USA, it is unreal. Um, and it's anything goes. It's, you know, uh, you know I, I think about the... You know some of the noise in the in the venues that we we're in, and you know it's different there. You can have whistles and drums, and you know there, it, you know it, it's just a whole different ball game. And then the officiating, you know, the officiating is always really interesting, and you have to overcome a lot. And uh, yeah, that was you know for me as an assistant coach, you know when I when I had my first go around back in 2014 uh, with Gino, and then we had Olympics uh, in 2016, and I was gone for a month. And I got back uh, to Jim and Shelly, and I, and I said to them, um, you know, this assistant coach thing is easy. What are you guys complaining about? This stuff's easy. <laughs> yeah, you got to work, and you got to grind, and you yeah. got to get your scouting reports together, and you got to work the players out, blah, blah, blah. But you can go home. I slept so good for a month. <laughs> you know, I wasn't worried. I mean, I, I, my only, you know, every day I wanted to be the best I could for Gino and the players and yeah. go, okay, I know I'm going to have my scout down. It's what I do. You know, but I, what does he need from me today? You know, what yeah. is it? You know, do I need to be quieter today? Do I need to say a little more today? Like, you just figure out what do they want from you. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done, you're not worried about, I might make some suggestions, yeah. <laughs> but it's not my yeah. rear end, you yeah. know, and it's just totally different. So that I say, nice. but be, having been a head coach and then becoming an assistant, you know, going, kind of going back that way, you're a way better assistant coach than yeah. if you were never a head coach. Sure. I mean, way better. So, because yeah. uh, you know what's needed. Yep. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I say it's definitely an easy easy gig I have. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, it was fun to watch, for sure. Uh, I hate to, well, I don't hate to because I'm going to do it anyway, but um, <laughs> the amount of success you have had mm-hmm. over your career, I know that there, as someone who used to coach, there's low points. Yeah. What was the low point for you in your coaching career? Huh. <sighs> Low point. Um, and I know you could take that anyway. I know last year was tough because, you know, you go from winning to, you know, it's not as easy, it's not as difficult. But yeah. just for you, was there a time where you ever struggled and thought, man, like, what am I doing? Like, No. I mean, I think, you know, I had all all fun times as a, as a, a 10-year assistant coach, mm-hmm. all, all pretty successful teams. I mean, half of my career I've spent in the WNBA finals. So, I, I mean, and then <laughs> if not finals, then in the playoffs at some point. So I've had a yeah. – you know, been very, very fortunate uh, to be in really good situations. Um, I would say the lower point for me in terms of my career would have came in college coaching. Okay. In my um, head coaching job at Indiana State, mm. which was a very challenging job. Um, Terrible hope. <laughs> well, when I was recruiting there, I just hate when people say that. But of uh, course, like yeah, but we're doing this to make it better. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's it, it was it was good for me. The the president of the university was actually from New Jersey. We had some some strong ties. The AD was great. Um, you know, recruiting was difficult, and I had a hard time, you know, kind of imparting to you know the players that you know like how hard you had to work, and mm-hmm. you know the desire wasn't the same. I was viewed as an Easterner. I was a Yankee. 
you know, so, you know, I was rough around the edges or whatever they would say about a Yankee. And, yeah. And I just couldn't get the, the buy-in, you know, to the level yeah. that. And, and so I was very, very lucky that WNBA came along. And, uh, you know, because I think the college, college game is tough. I think it's really hard. Yeah. Um, you know, probably even harder now, you know, mid-majors, everywhere. You know, I mean, obviously recruiting is the name of the game. Yeah. Um, but there's just so much that you have to contend with as a college coach. And, yeah. Um, I love the WNBA. Yeah, you know, very, happy you know yeah, very, yes. very, very, very happy. It's been good to me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, with something that you, I guess you and I kind of share this, is that we're, we're both um, very loud supporters of equality and women, yeah. and you know, we both don't mind taking some pot shots at, at people on Twitter and whatnot. Yeah. For you, is that just something that's kind of ingrained in who you are in this sense of standing up and being willing? Because a lot, a lot of people... Right, support mm -hmm. what we support. Yeah. Aren't willing to put their name on it. Yeah. Not willing to so boldly yeah. say, "No, I'm going to stand here." Is that something that was ingrained in you from the beginning? Is that something you've kind of developed and learned over time? Well, I think it's always been in me. Um, but I think, you know, having a role where you feel like you have a responsibility. I, I think being in the WNBA has made me feel uh, so strongly. I, I see so much from a societal norm standpoint. I coach mm -hmm. black females who are some of the most marginalized people. Yeah. Um, you know, it, th there's a b bunch of different, you know, when I think about my path, things that I've been able to be involved in, to see from different perspectives. I think I was all, when I look back, and I think I was always uh, this way. I remember, you know, just in terms of, you know, Title IX and, and, and uh, gender equity, you, you start to see the differences, you know, as you get a little older, you know, what the boys get, what the girls get, and then mm -hmm. you get to college, what the men get, what the women get, and then you get to the pros, and, you, you know, like, you just, it's really, and I, I started to understand where it came from, you know, and that's what I said. I think that um, if you stand idly by, there's not going to mm -hmm. be any, any ability to change. You can't be afraid. I got to a certain point in my career where, you know, being unafraid is really important. Um, being able to be yourself and being unafraid, unapologetic about um, using your voice. And yeah, it might you know, rub some people the wrong way yeah. if they don't believe in it, or, but I think it's probably those people I'm talking to. Yeah. You know? And so I think being able to shine a light as bright as you can, you know, and whether it's on things that you and I are talking about or other things that people believe in, I think you should have the courage to do that. Uh, it takes bold stance, bold position, bold movement, to, to really kind of enact change. Yeah. And so I just, you know, I think about every day when I come to work, I'm representing 12 WNBA players, and I want to do the very best for them that I can do as a, lead, as a leader, excuse me, beyond basketball. Um, you know, the 12 of them each have different interests. So for me, it's not just, you know, gender issues. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that they go through on a daily basis that I like to know about and you know, ways that I can help champion, you know, whatever it is that, that they're um, wanting to get behind. And, and uh, it's been fun in terms of, you know, when you broaden your horizon, um, you know, what you can see and how you can see it differently. Yeah. Uh, this past year I got a little, a little more involved in the, the, the political arena, um, endorsing and really throwing weight behind uh, a couple candidates here in Minnesota. We did great yeah. in Minnesota. Um you know, the, yeah. the, I think it's uh, hopefully a sign of things to come. And um, I think more than anything, and, and uh, you know, you look at right now in our in our league, in the WNBA, um, the narrative needs to change about women in sport. And 
if we don't talk about who's going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think we're coming from a position, hopefully, that we're gonna, it's going to be based in fact. It's not going to be an editorial. That's what I find really important. It's just not my opinion. Um, when, when I get challenged on you know, Twitter or anywhere, um, most times it's, an, it's a person's opinion about they're not interested yeah. in watching. I don't and it's, like it. I don't like it, so therefore <laughs> no one's watching. You know, it's a very broad brush that, that uh, they're painting with. And um, I always see it as an opportunity to educate. And the number of times that I might have had somebody say, I didn't necessarily think of it that way. You know, and that's why I say one person at a time. Yeah. You know, every day if there's one person that you come in contact with that says, um, geez, you know. And, or I'm happy to say, you know what, I understand that point. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. You know, but what is the reason for uh, maybe attendance not being... Uh, what we hope it to be. What's the reason for it? Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, kind of getting to the root. My thing is, let's let's move forward. We're trying to solve problems. Right. It's not just to sit there and, and, and you know, throw jabs yeah. at each other. It's to go somewhere. Right. And and uh, that's what it's all about. I want to move uh, women in sport, you know. I want to catapult it forward. I don't want to keep inching. You know, just a couple of years ago, we had the, um, what's Billy, Billie Jean King's movie? Um, oh, um, Battle of Sexes. No, 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 no. I'm I'm making it difficult for you. I don't know. But so, so when I watched the movie, um, and it'll come to you, I'm sure, right in the middle. And you shout it out as I'm as I'm telling okay. the story. But I remember going to the movie, and and so obviously that movie was in the in the 70s, right? And it, it was, I sitting there watching, going, that's funny. It's 2000, and let's say it was 16. I think maybe when it came out. It's 2016, and we're still talking about the same things. How yeah. crazy is this? That we're still talking about the same things. And I remember feeling like you get, you know, get you have those moments in life where you go, I'm not doing enough, and we got to do more. And so I think there's different moments where you go, um, I don't want. So that's what 40 years later, I don't want it to be still, 2058, yeah. and someone's sitting here, you know, as the head coach of <laughs> WMA, go, well, we're still trying to. You know, we gotta, we gotta, it's gotta move. And I think we have a responsibility. I think Adam Silver has a responsibility. I think the NBA ownership has a responsibility. Um, one, you know, there, so I look at three things uh, in terms of being successful the product on the court. I think we will all tell you, uh, and it's not just because we're fans of the game, the product on the court is there. Yep. People come to the games and they go, I had no idea yep. how good these players were. So the product is there. Another key element is media. We are succeeding to this point. Um, you know, some people kind of say, well, the WNBA is never quite caught on. No, actually, we're growing. We're, we're growing in interest. Our ratings are up. Despite a near-media blackout, we get 4% of the coverage. And we are succeeding despite that. So when the media treats us like men's sports, mm-hmm. Men's sports are covered just because, because I remember a few years ago, I sat down with our media, it's probably six or seven years ago. What do we got to do to get more coverage? What do we got? Somebody raised their hand and says, well, you got to win. And I said, really? Because there's a lot of teams around here that don't win, but I, I read about them every single day. Yeah. And you're writing articles that, frankly, I'm going, who the heck cares yeah. about that? Yeah. Like, you're finding anything to write about that you can you write, have about to write about. Because you have to write about it. Because you have to write about it. And so I said, so we can't have a criteria for women that is different than it is for the men. So no, winning is not a criteria. So I won't let that happen. Um, and so we just talked about, you know, accessibility. Da, da. You can come anytime you want to come. 
don't, there's no, there's no, if you bring us up, yep, we're doing it. Yep. We don't say no to anything virtually. And so it's like, you, you have the access. Mm-hmm. And so when media decides, then they're going to become a huge player in our ability to, to, to get where we're trying to go. Um, you know, the, the, the third piece I think is marketing and, you know, marketing for us, um, you know, at the league level, I would say is probably pretty average. Yeah. Uh, we've gone to ebbs and flows where, you know, it's been decent. You know, I think in the beginning, obviously, new league, and there was like this shiny new thing, and they were really interested. But Rebecca Lobo, uh, in one of my favorite podcasts, is where she talks about kind of the beginning and remembering Diana Taurasi dressed a certain way and, you know, um, you know, a little bit out of who she is. And, and I think now we're in a time where we're owning more of who we are yeah. unapologetically. Yeah. And, you know, I w- I've been told stories about sponsors who will say, it's not here locally, but just in general about women in sport, they want us to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Well, the shorts are too baggy. Or, you know, um, I want a little more makeup. Or I want a little more, I want them to look like this, and then we'll support them. Well, I contend that they're not going to support you either way. And so we're not changing for that. Uh, rules changes like changing the uniforms and wearing body suits and things like that that are obviously very condescending and sexualizing us. Um, you know, not uh, not what we'll stand for. I'm thankful to say that. Um, and so marketing has to, I think, become better yeah. for our league. And so, really, two out of the three things that I think help mm-hmm. you be successful, we're not quite where we need to be. Yeah. It's got to catch up to right. the game. Yeah. You know, sure. uh, and so you know what's going to take to do that is continuing to talk about it continuing to call people out on you know um, the athletic didn't love uh, now I wasn't talking about athletic Minnesota per se um, but the athletic in general who claims that it covers all sports it's your it's your destination for all sports and I thought well I don't read any women's sports and if I do I have to it's digital you have what unlimited space I believe in digital and so I can scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and you might find one article yeah and, you know, and again, that's a more of a, a national. Yeah. I think locally we're, we're better because we do have the links. And they have committed. The Athletic has committed, um, you know, uh, to writers. Uh, I wonder, are those writers full-time mm-hmm. as they are uh, when you cover, you know, the, when the Athletic has their NBA writers? And I'm pretty sure the answer is no. And so we're not treated the same, yeah. you know. And so uh, the Athletic has declined, um, you know, uh, people that really, really want to get behind the WNBA and want to write, right. they've declined, you know, uh, kind of doing something bigger. So they need to be called out for that. They need to own that. And when people say, but it's a business, uh, isn't it their decision? Yes, it is their decision. And it's also my right to criticize that decision, yeah. you know, or to bring to light, well, whether it's uh, the athletic or whether it's, it's uh um, you know, General Mills or whatever, whoever it is that makes, we have a right to know mm-hmm. because then we can make our decisions based on that as consumers. And, and so I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to be done. Um, we need voices like yours um, because you're of the male variety, yeah. Blake, that um, women are only going to get so far. Yeah. Some of the most powerful movement for women in our country has been men advocating for women. If you look at Title IX, yeah. that came from a man advocating. Yeah. Uh, now, it was his wife that was denied opportunities, and that's exactly what has to happen a lot of times for men, is either their wife or their sister or their daughters. Daughter, yeah. Are All of a sudden you go, 
wait, what about the opportunities? You know, my daughter wants to do this or my wife wants to do this. Uh, and they're not able to because there's not a team or there's not at the time it was, uh, I believe it was um, something in the sciences that his wife wanted to pursue. Um, and then, then, then it comes to light and then somebody goes, I want to stand up for it. Mm-hmm. And so men have a much more powerful voice uh, than women. Sure. And so it's really important what you're doing. So hopefully you'll, you'll continue down your path. I will. I will. And I appreciate that. Um, I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, so I'll, I'll get you out on this. Uh, I assume you'll be doing what you're doing for a long time, but whenever you're done, whenever you, whenever you retire and you've got 29 championships <laughs> or, or whatever else, what what does that look like for you? Uh, Retirement? Yeah. Um, I love to travel. I hope I hope traveling never ends. Um, you know, I don't know that I'll ever be able to fully retire. Yeah, I expected I, I, you to say yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I think I know that about myself, and I don't necessarily look forward to. I'm not yeah. somebody that goes, oh, I can't wait. I yeah. only got a couple more years. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, um, now what I'm doing 10 years from now, or you know, like like Lynn Dunn's got a nice gig, you know, in yeah. Kentucky. Same thing. She retired, but you know, nah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. Like, yeah. like a couple For months later, months. I'm not really. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I, I hope that there's opportunities to continue to um, impact, you know, and stay around the game and just. You know, till the day I die, kind of thing. I can't imagine not, yeah. you, know, you know, being able to be a part of it. So I hope I'm lucky. I, I've had great fortune in my career, and so I'm hopeful. You know, I'm 52. You know, 10 years from now, you know, I could retire, right? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I'm not coaching, but you know, hopefully I'm doing something. You know, as mm-hmm. the game in 10 years from now, you know, women in sport. Yeah. Hopefully, we're seeing this explosion. Yeah. Um, you know, and people realizing what business, good business it is that I hope in some way I'm still connected uh, mm. to, to that growth for however long I, I'm able to do it. Yeah. Commission? Commission, maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll have a commission. I don't know. That's a thankless right? job, you know. So <laughs> that's very true. It's very thankless. Cool. Well, I, I really appreciate your time and, and your thoughts. I tremendous amount of respect for you. So well, I appreciate for, you, Blake. Thanks for the time this morning. And, thanks for being here. Uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you guys next week. Sounds great. Cool. Well, thanks again to Cheryl Reeve, head coach and GM of the Minnesota Lynx, for taking the time out to join me. If you don't follow her on Twitter, uh, she's a good one, at Lynx Coach Reeve. Uh, does her own podcast as well. They do uh, some in studio, but they do also uh, some live spots as well. So you should tune in to her. And if you're in the Minneapolis area, get on over and watch them. Cheryl, is uh, she's a good one. So I certainly appreciate her time. I appreciate you and your time and you listening as always wherever you listen itunes soundcloud google play stitcher or wherever else i really greatly appreciate it you can follow me on twitter at blake dudonis if you don't already and i am just grateful for all of you listeners until next time this is the jump around